0: Welcome to the Practice Podcast, conversations probing the nature of practice. I'm your host, Dave Fearon. Folks, I am delighted to have finally caught up with uh, Christine Fisillo, uh who was a student of mine in a previous century, but she was very young. <laughs> uh, and, and I was too. Uh, but it was an interesting time to be in a, 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 in a course of studying management at that time because we talked a lot about management being about control, about, you know, nailing down the systems, uh, the quality aspects more had to do with standardization. And it all seemed to make sense back in, uh, in the 90s and, early, and even in the early 2000s. But ever since, it makes less and less sense because now we're in a world of agile, right, Christine, and and fast and and uh, uh, technology with artificial intelligence chasing our butts, you know, to try to take our jobs away. So a lot of that's going on and you're living uh, you've lived through it for a number of corporate jobs and you're living through it into your future. so the gist, Christine, of the uh, work that you've done in recent years uh, around finding, recruiting and developing um, high potential people for uh, corporate America, in your case, for, for travelers, what, what did, was sort of the gist of that work for you?
1: Sure. So um, I definitely have spent the vast majority of my career in the HR space. And most recently, the last six really focused on emerging talent, early career, so fresh out of college, which is such a great uh, demographic to work with. And um, really just getting in and and helping them grow. So going to campuses or recruiting from different campuses to extract high high energy driven um curious uh, individuals so i was um working with the technology group so really digging in to um attract individuals that possess some of those characteristics they're free to learn
0: now in order for you to do that part of the job, how did they find their way to you? What was the, Where were they in that whole recruitment cycle side of the of, of the work? Uh, in other words, let's start it another way. Uh, where did your company find them to even have them consider coming into the leadership programs that you were you were leading?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, a couple different ways. So, the program um, that I led was pretty well known um, on different college campuses. Um, The company is pretty well known in the Harvard area. And so, it would be going on campuses. Also, we would post, so, it was open um, and available to other individuals. At some point, we started to look also at not only college grads, but individuals that had been out of school for a couple of years, still mm-hmm. early in their careers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and most recently, because the program focus really started to be more targeted towards software engineers, we opened up our criteria to look at individuals that were graduating from boot camp, technical boot camps, mm-hmm software engineering types of boot camps. Yeah. So there was a couple different ways that we would, um, you know, reach into those those campuses, boot camps and this general posting to capture the um, type of, of candidate that we were looking for.
0: Now, starting uh, back to the point of rapid change, what I've been watching from somewhat afar now, but I saw the trend coming for years, was that the there was a, a perception of a dwindling supply of people being prepared in the area that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the same time, a, a very fast-growing demand for that sort of work, uh, the people who could provide that sort of work. So it was a, a bit of a not so perfect storm, wasn't it? Uh, so uh, I, w- I happened to have been involved uh, when I was in the last years of my work as a management professor at Central in the travelers' uh, effort to bring in uh, non underrepresented people from the various minority groups, mm-hmm. and, and and it was so I was a bit in tune with what was going on with that perfect storm. There was growing concern that they. Wanted really highly capable people, possibly very very early in in their careers, but so did everyone else. And Hartford had United Health Groups. They had so many other uh, employers, and almost everyone suddenly said, "Hey, wait a minute, we've got the file drawers are gone. We, We have to automate, and we have to automate fast. And it's not just." technologists coming around and making sure that the computers are plugged in correctly, this is a lot more, this is big data, this is all those trends. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you had to really have a reputation in the programs that you led, Christine, uh, so that people were saying, well, I could get into a leadership program at company X, a company Y, or I could go down to ESPN. Why would I wanna to go to this company? And you guys had to provide a pretty uh, solid and but enticing answer to that. So what was mm-hmm. what did you tend to say to people about coming with you instead of all these other choices?
1: So I would say you know we started off um, attracting them at the intern level. so we really used the intern experience, which was a 10 to 12 week experience that, Um, gave them real hands on real work, right? So, they came in and they were doing real work, part of agile teams. They were engaging with participants of the program. They were getting to learn and understand technology in a Fortune 100 company, right? And so, I think that was very attractive to them. Um, There were other opportunities to network. So, Very similar to other LDPs. I think it was word of mouth. We had participants and interns that had great experiences. They went back to their campuses and talked about that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, uh, and they would build relationships with participants and managers within the company. So, it was was an easy, when it was time to graduate and to land their full-time job, it was a really easy decision for them to want to be a part of the LDP because they received pieces and parts of it during their internships.
0: So that was sort of a priming the pump. And, I, and that definitely uh, was important when I, again, mentioning my experience with it. Uh, and I can remember the conversations I would have in my office where they would say, well, uh, I did have a great summer internship at Travelers or whatever company they want to talk about, but now I've got to decide on plugging my life into this, this company for an indefinite period. Now that was some years back, given what I've said about the hyper competitiveness in our region and across the country, actually for, uh, people who uh, can become really effective corporate citizens at the same time can, can provide the tech, the technical skills that you're calling on. Uh, you, you had to, um, uh you you had, you had to deal with uh i i would say to them well remember this is a a big part of your living day you're going to be living in a company in more hours than you are in almost anything else you do don't be scared about that it's the truth so these are going to become your friends your family these are going to become sometimes your competition but while yes your skill set is attractive to them now what's probably going to keep you in that company is how you become a practitioner in that company someone who uh is uh Feeling like when you step into that, off the elevator and onto that floor, that you're home. Now, mm-hmm. now I maybe I was being a little over romantic about that, Christine. But what do you think? Because you you brought them in, but you, your company also loses people. They they don't always feel at home after a while, particularly if they're coming in from a different, non traditional way, like a boot camp versus the intern program.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I don't. You know, I would agree with you around the relationships. I think that is part of the sticking point. I think we've all heard people leave people, not necessarily leave the company per yeah, se. Sure. So the, the relationships can make or break the experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in the program, we really are encouraging individuals to make those deep relationships. So we set time aside, right? Formal and informal networking. Formal and informal mentorship to make those connections to to just increase overall engagement, satisfaction with the company. It's, you know, no one wants to be at a place where you feel like you don't belong or that you're not part of something, a bigger purpose.
0: Mm. Yeah. And, 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 and more than ever, I mean, it's like you just quoted everything I've been reading and, and very, very accurately that, that it is about feeling that there's an alignment between their purpose for, for their own practice and how they want to grow themselves through that practice and the organization's purpose. And sometimes it's very simply, uh, well, they're doing some really cool things in data, uh, 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 data uh, capture. And uh, or really cool things in analytics. But that's only the start after that is to your point, who will I be working with? How will they will I be listened to? Will I be able Mm -hmm. to have as much information access as I need to perform my job? Because here's what hangs over uh, your the companies that you've been part of, Christine and and, uh, it still hangs over in the Hartford area, and probably with a lot of co- larger corporations. I don't want to become a number. I don't want to be a widget. I don't want to be someone who's plugged into a square uh, square peg. So all of that sense, plus also, their company is run, you know, by people who are out of touch with the realities of my life. Some of those are stereotypic things, which had to be overcome if they're going to settle in and feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, And you as a coach, and as you have been in in the roles in the last six years, how do you talk to people about that? How do you help them understand that some of those stereotypes are old news and probably not part of the company's future?
1: So I think one of the things is helping them understand what their sphere of influence is today and what it can be, right? And so we'll talk through what... what relationships can you control? What relationships do you need to take a little bit of risk? How do you kind of get that exposure? And I would say the, you know, emerging talent coming in, that's a concern of theirs. They really want to make sure they get the exposure to the senior leaders. So the program, I think, you know, when we're talking out on campus or just talking to individuals that might be interested in the LDP, that's something that we talk about. You do have exposure to the senior leaders. And so, you know, when you have those opportunities, go in prepared to some of those discussions. And it could be a group discussion, but go and come in with questions. Senior leaders will remember that. They they will remember the thoughtful, provocative kind of question that leaves them thinking you know, as long as it's appropriate, right? But I think those are just how do you take advantage of, of those opportunities to differentiate yourself, um, and that can be done in a in a in a host of different ways. Getting involved mm. in um, enterprise-wide initiatives and activities mm-hmm. that you can merely just volunteer for. So mm-hmm. there's all different ways that you can engage to be seen and known. I think, you know, with with their different work teams, by all means, you're not a number. I mean, they're small enough agile work teams. Everyone is going to know who you are and what you bring to the table. Some individuals just need a little bit more help, kind of pushing out of their comfort zones a little bit.
0: What, um, what can you think of someone fairly recently who um, has really? Gone through what you led them through in the, your leadership program, and and have taken hold and are really thriving. And I'll th- I'll drop a name. <laughs> I don't remember if he was in your program or not. But one of my podcasts was with Rob Huckinson. Uh, he came through. Um, he started at the company and then went through the leadership program later, mm-hmm. I think. But people like that now, it, folks, Rob and uh, others that I have, I've featured. They have homes, they have families, they have uh, vacations. They have the things that really were the dream. And where Christine and I went to school together and worked together at, at Central Connecticut, it was a working class school. There were people who were first generation, who had worked full time and gone to school full time, as as probably you did, Christine. Yeah. And, and so... The idea that a college degree and then getting into a wonderful company could lead to having financial security, the relationships uh, that you always wanted, call it a marriage, whatever you want. That's all out there. So, But there's this thing in between called recruiting, getting in, being onboarded, all of that. Think of someone who you don't have to give the, the, all the, the whole name like Rob because he gave me permission to use his name for the podcast, but someone who you feel quite good about in terms of her or his success.
1: So I'm thinking of one person who comes to mind who I see. Um, had spent the vast majority of time with. So um, at the time, the program was four years. And when we talk about change, we've evolved the length of time that individuals are in the program. So um, right now, it's like a two to three year time timeframe. Um, but when I think back of when I first started and kind of went along the journey, there was an individual female who was super shy She was a great technologist, kind of, you know, ahead of her time and ahead of the program time, to be honest, because at that point, we weren't as deep in the technical, but that's what she brought. And it was really helping her come out of her shell to um, be comfortable standing in front of a larger group of people and talking and being able to raise her hand because she had great ideas, but just taking the risk where she's sitting with individuals that are much more senior to her. Mm. Um, and being able to, you know, in her shy little voice, say, "Hey, I have an idea. Can we? What? What about this? Can you know? Should we mm. try this?"
0: Mm-hmm. And it
1: was. I think that's one of the things that's personally um, rewarding for me is to see the evolution and the transformation of individuals like her come in fresh out of college, and you know, year over year, see them step out and become become them you know like this new version of themselves and be able to lead and direct and get that acknowledgement from senior leaders that they're valuable players in the organization
0: oh i know yeah. that is so sweet yeah and she, how, how, do you know how she's doing
1: she's doing really well she's yeah. doing really well
0: does she still speak in a soft little voice
1: not as you know we have a a graduation ceremony every year um and when we were still uh this was pre-covid she graduated pre-covid and Mm -hmm. so um she had volunteered along with another individual to represent her class her class was of i think 12 we had roughly 11 or 12 graduates Mm -hmm. and they um both stood up on stage and represented their class and the class experiences. And so she, you know, that was a great way for her to kind of end her time Yeah, and do something bold for, you know, in her in her yeah. mind, doing something really bold to stand up in front of. And in our graduation ceremony, we have, um, you know, the, some of the top senior leaders of sure. the company attending sure. that. So it's high, you know, the stakes are somewhat high.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can imagine that. Yeah, and and uh, and yet, look what a company has in that one individual. You know, multiplied by so many that you helped, uh, they have someone who came in as a strong technologist who really was going to be on the cutting edge of learning if they let her be, so she could become more and more uh, knowledgeable, proficient, and able to express. The advanced ideas that they the company needs that is gold, but wrapped around that is a fully fudged human being who, in her case, tends to be a, a little socially shy. And if that had not been, if she hadn't been coached out of that, and the people who were relating to her didn't weren't in a culture which said, "Let's get everyone's voice up to be heard." she could have gone to those other places I mentioned earlier who are competing and she could have taken that technical credential and walked through the door. Mm -hmm. But now she's there. And if you were doing this work for any other company, knowing what you now know, Christine, if you help them get someone like her or him or all the different folks that we need, you would be doing these companies a hugely strategic favor and they'd be obviously compensating you. But it wasn't that long ago, back when you and I were first meeting, when uh there wasn't that feeling of how important the early labor market was to these companies. It was sort of like, yeah, diamond, I'm I'm not you, I'm not putting words in your mouth, but I always had that feeling because I was pitching our students everywhere I could. Stanley and Signa, all mm-hmm. the places where I had any relationships. Healthcare, and they were saying oh yeah well, that's good but you know uh just have them have them fill out the papers and later it was have them put up their name on the website we'll we'll see no no it's got to be you you these this is gold here this is this is the future of the company but over time i'm thinking it's been more uh, a realization at the strategic level of corporate thinking that yeah These programs, like the ones you've been part of, uh, are truly important. Again, I'm putting words in your mouth. What do you you think?
1: No, I agree. I I would say for the company that I represented, the technology leadership development programs was, was a solution for real business problems. Right, there were real strategies that are tied to the reason why these programs exist, and and so there are seven um, seven at travelers, and so the technology LDP was only one of those. Yeah, uh, for technology, it was. Um, it has evolved to be one of the primary pipelines to bring in technical emerging talent into the That's organization, right. which then helps to feed succession plans, working All the others. plans,
0: yeah. Finance. to help
1: us reduce our global sourcing footprint. So yeah. there are real business problems that these programs and these individuals are coming in to help solve.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and, and that gets noticed <laughs> at the top tier and it noticed by the board and, uh, uh, and and ultimately the customer and your brokers and others who want to feel that they're selecting to represent a project a product that's not only well underwritten but it's mm-hmm. speedily underwritten with very with no errors. So you have the outcomes that the company promises to the uh, various stakeholders. That are more and more uh, conditioned to high tech, high touch connections. You know, and I know that's used to be a little bit of a gar- jargon, but I think it's true now, don't you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That the, the touch part, that uh, the 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 normal the normality of brilliant people <laughs> is is important these days.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that, I, and I think the things that that companies might not think about is the intangibles that come along with it. Yes, it's a big investment, right? There's time, there's energy. You need you know, many people to help mentor and coach and bring these individuals along, but they're coming in with outside views, right? They are exposed to different things at school. They may have had different internships. They're bringing fresh and new ideas and energy. The mm. amount of the energy that they bring is just, it's contagious. And it, it really is um, something I think companies miss out on when they don't have programs or, or, or a way to attract this new talent into their organizations.
0: I love the idea that each individual who's recruited and brought in is a, uh, a power source of energy. I don't mean power in the traditional sense, but the kind of energy that it does take, like that young woman, to put those ideas out there and push them through the, through the uh, resistance field that's always going to be there for new ideas. And that kind of energy is, as you say, it's contagious. I'd love to say in a way that energy then would affect uh, uh, infect a hundred and seventy-year-old company <laughs> uh, and start to spread, so that people in the mid-career and even later in their careers would stop feeling energized because they have the the uh, those people on their teams, or they have them, you know, coming uh, to the enterprise uh, projects, or out, you know, representing them as volunteers, re-energizing a very old company, and of which we have a four or five major companies in Hartford, each one. Again, the batteries are getting low. They re, we used to talk, maybe even when we're talking trends in our management class, Christine, about the uh, the the aging of the aging out of the workforce and the fact that a tremendous number of senior leaders were at a point where they were going to be saying goodbye. and who was going to be succeeding them? how what's the succession? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you were, to, you know, I'm going to hand you a crystal ball in these last few minutes. Uh, what, what, uh, what is, um, what's the future of of this approach, leadership development programming approach uh, to uh, major companies? Is is it is it going to be something that's going to take even more hold? Is it going to evolve into something else? Uh, we just got through a pandemic where we lost contact with thousands of people, you know, primary contact. So uh, maybe it's just a re- restoration process, if you will, of getting people back together. But w- what do you see uh, about this field if you were to stay in it? Because you you can always choose to do something else in the human resources. Right. But you but you've been snake bit. You've been part of this very rich experience of bringing high priced, high high powered young talent into your company Mm
1: -hmm. yes and I would say it is you know it is one of the I I feel very fortunate to have been a part of such a great program for so long Um, and it's interesting because I have a meeting next week with um, someone who leads an LDP forum and that was one of the questions I had is what what is the future trend? Do we see that more companies are adding LBBs, or is it staying the same, or are people st- stepping away? You know, we just went through this whole retransform, you know, redefinition, transformation of the purpose of our technical program. Are other companies doing the same? And so I'm starting to poke around and ask that question. So I'm not sure I have a, a great answer. I would like to think that companies see the value in it. There is obviously a cost, but there's also um, a return on the investment. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess it's just really depends. I'm surprised not more companies have it. And I wonder why they don't. So maybe that's, that's kind of where my head's at right now is I would love to see more of it. But I'm biased because I've been a part of it. And I see the value that it brings
0: great answer the the uh my understanding is that there was one um uh, uh, leadership development program at your company um over thirty years ago the financial leadership program and that was because they were finance and a finance company so sometimes you see a leadership development program with a history like that it's it was the the program. And when I started uh, knowing about the company, they were then beginning to add programs in pricing and marketing. You know, they the, and, and uh, uh, a, there were small programs in HR. Uh, but it was, it, if, if I were to, to get a sense of the lean, it would be well, we're just going to build up that finance leadership program because those are the kind of people who arise to the senior level. I don't think it's quite the same anymore. I think yes, that's true, but there could be a person coming up through the technology screen stream who could become CEO someday, and it could be a young woman, uh, and she may be only thirty-nine when she becomes CEO, <laughs> you know, and and uh, and she may be Latina. <laughs> so these are the kind of changes. So I don't think you can say, well, we'll have our one big ticket program and then we'll have all of these small programs i think what they've got to look at is where the what the um essentially where the main arteries for their business mm-hmm. for that for the energy we talked about and it's not just finance and it's not just product development or it's not just in that in that company it's not just it's not just claim it could it, it could be always going to be underwriting in, in the insurance world but what's sort of underwriting I had a podcast last week with a young former edge student who's uh, doing underwriting down in Travis and uh, based in Fort Lauderdale he's underwriting in Puerto and and in uh, other places where there's been huge disasters you know uh, mm-hmm. and he loves it he loves he 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 loves the com he loves the work but I knew him and I could tell you that though he would sit in my office and he'd say I don't know really even have understanding why why insurance you know but then i said yeah they found you in the capital community college and you got an internship and he said well i I get it i do get it but and then there was another young man who had the same problem uh came you know from his his culture he could not get his culture to understand why he wasn't going to go out and work in a machine shop
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know
0: and that was. So he said, well, they can't see insurance. Right. <laughs> they can see I bring home some metal that I, I, I shaped into a part. Uh, and so we had these conversations. So but I, I, in terms of the understanding the future now, I think there's going to be many uh, points of rise for for the kinds of leadership development needed. And I want mm-hmm. to underst- I want to stress the point uh, leadership development, not just technical acumen or business acumen, all of the other acumen, but to be able to see change coming and dive into it, mm-hmm. swim around, you know, right. change. That's what, that's what Peter Vale wrote about in terms of why do you need leadership at all? Change. That's the only reason. Change. So, you need people who relish it, who make it happen. Uh, and look for it to happen again. So, that again could come from just about anyone in a company of, of the ones that you've been part of. Uh, what do you think the uh, concern of the forum you're going to be uh, talking to next week is then about the LDB movement? The, are they sensing that it's going to go this way, or are they wondering too?
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, so I'm hoping and I can definitely double back with you on what my findings are on what the trend, what the trend is. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see if any are created to offset some of the resignations and, and just talent movement that we're seeing more globally.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, yeah,
0: I'm not sure. Yeah, I think you're you on to that, though. There is this big resignation uh, phenomenon that's never been seen before. And this new generation, we label them X's and Y's and early millennials and, and, and all of that. But it's basically people, not just that group, but people who have been so dislodged in the last two and a half years from what their circumstances were. Mm-hmm that when they return they're not going to want a repeat of this part of those circumstances that were negative or uh, that, that held them down and 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 made them feel less than than they knew who they were when they were basically able to be all themselves at home so that's going to be an interesting thing corporate culture is going to make a big difference isn't it
1: it definitely is and i think what how companies respond to all that's happening out in the marketplace. How are you reaching down and and ensuring that you're connecting with the individuals that you have, especially this demographic? How are we engaging them? How are we making sure they understand what their career path looks like? Mm -hmm. I think if they can see it and and they feel that it's tangible and they can get there, they're less likely to leave. It's not, it's not all about the money. Yes, the money helps, but that's not what's gonna keep them in the chair. It's mm-hmm. am I being challenged? Do I have a voice at the table? Um, you know, can I grow in this company? Am I supported? Am I recognized and rewarded? Like it's a whole package. And so I, you know, I think that's gonna be even more important.
0: The companies are doing that and doing that well. Gee, you know, I w- I wish you, were, I wish I were back at Central right now and you were back there, and I would put you in a chair uh, to prepare uh, our students uh, to make that case for themselves when they graduate. Uh, it, it, it we used to have a co-op program that really did a lot of that. Mm-hmm. You know, six months, uh, six months, and they they learned a tremendous amount, but. What I see on that side when I left was uh, still a a bit of intimidation on the part of the student feeling about going uh, to make a case to to start even in a regular job, let alone a leadership program. So we used to host office hours and we would have chapless folks come in and sit there and look at their resumes and look them in the eye and give them some coaching and try Mm -hmm. to to get their spirits up. But it's a heavy lift for a lot of people. And uh, you, you, you have uh, uh, provided a wonderfully supportive leverage to help them make that lift. And I see you doing that in other ways, as long as you care to in your future.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Very impressed. You learn well in my management class. <laughs> I loved your
1: management class. I was a non-traditional student, so yes, you
0: were. That's what we used to call you guys.
1: Full time and going to school at night and kind of yeah. treading through that, and so I loved it, uh, your class because it was it was non-traditional. It wasn't. It had real life application right away. You didn't have to yeah. wait. You could just take what you learned. I mean, and, and I was joking with you around fast company, like reading the fast company, article uh-huh. and innovation, way back, right. like even way back then. So, and it's, yeah. it's quite, uh, quite a few years.
0: oh, well, yeah. But where, am I right that you brought your, you were working for, uh, was it the CEO of? Yeah, uh, Dan
1: Wheeler. Um, I wasn't working with him, but I was in his uh, in overall his, line of business and we, had the opportunity to partner together for the united way giving campaign and so that's that was right my exposure to him and he was he was phenomenal
0: he um, came to class and see that really got me started on that innovation it was so effective the students eyes were as big as uh, you know uh pie plates a real you know senior leader corporate leader in this in a very very newly dynamic field of, of health insurance very different and then and he made that place i can still remember him and he was very down to earth and the students warmed to him and uh, i thought i'm gonna do lots more of that so you christine you made you started my innovation in I had a guest every week for the remaining 17 or 18 years that I taught there of all sorts, as well as taking people out when I could to you know, various business locations and getting, a, getting them that feel. Because that's what I was preparing. I was preparing people who were comfortable talking with a CEO and comfortable walking around on a shop floor and asking uh, politely if a worker could tell you a little bit about what they do. Uh, it's why why study organizations in books alone when you've got them all around you just get it get in there and make it happen Mm -hmm. so you were very helpful to me as my student I'm very proud of you I'm delighted we reconnected and yes let's after you've had a little more time to see what's going on read some tea leaves Let's, let's, let's have a Christine Fasillo 2.0. I
1: would love that. That would be phenomenal. I, I thank you so much for all of the practices and exposures that you instilled in me early on because I was early on in my career way back then and um, I've been able to carry that forward and so very
0: grateful for that. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Listening to the Practice Podcasts, where we discuss practice with a capital P. If you'd like to hear more, listen in on Spotify, Automatic, and Apple Podcasts, or go to inactionresearch.com slash podcast dash page. And if you'd like to learn more about social inaction and the nature of practice, head over to actionresearch.com for more information thank you for supporting this show we look forward to hearing from you soon